to the third episode of the Political Prisoner podcast produced by Look Ahead America. I'm here with my co-host, Kimmy Gonzalez, and I am Matt Brainerd. Uh, welcome back, Kimmy. Hello. Good to be here, Matt. So, uh, as we continue to highlight the plight of many of the people who've been politically persecuted or political prisoners uh, by the current uh, regime, uh, where we get a lot of different stories and you know there's so many of them and we are going to do our best to get through all of them um, any that are available so we're we're gonna persist in producing this podcast until uh, we believe justice has been done and that that might be a very long time but as we go you know everybody's story here is a little bit different everybody's struggles are different and uh, we really appreciate our audience tuning in and uh, giving their time and attention and hopefully being motivated to take action. I want to follow up with you, Kimmy. Um, on the last podcast, uh, we discussed the fact that the uh, family of Roseanne Boylan was unsuccessful in getting response even from their Republican uh, representative in Congress, uh, Congressman Loudermilk, and that we are going to, as an organization, which is what we're all about, look at America, uh, is going to uh, amplify their message so that we're sure that the congressman receives it. How are we progressing on that? We are um, reaching out to our contacts in Georgia, to our team there on the ground, um, making headway here. This is definitely a goal of Look Ahead America um, to make to help make a difference for the Boylan family. So we are actively pursuing this with is, our Georgia is the family um, uh, okay with us um, lending our voice to theirs in this effort to at least get it on the congressman's radar? According to Kara, uh, that was with us in our last podcast, um, they are supportive of our efforts and appreciative um, of how she is really driving this, this movement. And we're behind her. And we're, we're behind the family. Okay, good. Um, hopefully the next time we start up an episode, we'll be able to report some progress yeah. on that front. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to have a podcast and just kind of complain about how miserable things are and how horribly these individuals are being treated. But it's another thing to, to actually do things. And not, we're not moving the planet here. It's not like we're breaking these people out of prison. Um, like we're, you know, a Mexican drug cartel getting our boss out. Um, but these small steps of of uh, accessing the smaller levelers of government that are within reach of us, that's what we can do. You know, that's what Mother Teresa's uh, message was. Is you, you may not be able to do to save the world, but you can save this little bit. You can do this little bit to help somebody. So uh, with that, Kimmy, why don't you introduce our guests for this episode? Yes, gladly. It's... Um, it's my honor to introduce and welcome Daniel Chrisman to today's podcast. Um, a little background about Daniel, and we'll have him elaborate a little more. Um, Daniel is from Brooklyn, New York. Um, he has a background as a plumber, and he has also um, dabbled in some politics, and we're going to learn about his experience there, and as a reporter, a, a 
journalist, an investigative reporter. Um, he had a radio show um, that he's going to tell us about, and that greatly impacts his story, his account of events of what happened um, on January 6th. So welcome, Daniel. We are so happy to have you join us today. Thank you. It, it's, it's an honor. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you so much. And thank you for spending your time with us um, today. Daniel, let's start with, um, as Matt was saying, our podcast, we, we want this to be an opportunity for you to share, for you to share your story, what happened that day, how it's impacted you, um, how it's the arrest, the raid, the toll that's taken on your life. So this is an opportunity for you to share and and. Let's start with your background. Um, tell us a little about about who Daniel Chrisman is. Uh, I'm, so um, I am a master plumber, uh, and uh, you know I dedicated a lot to my career. Um, and I came back to New York City to get my New York City plumbing license. And the day I was going to do it, literally, you couldn't write it any better. I fell in a hole and I broke my leg. Um, and I had to get surgery and I, I was out of work for like eight months. And then I went down to the department of buildings to see if I could get my plumbing license, what I had to do. Anyway, the injury knocked me out of contention to get my plumbing license. So I went down to Letitia James, who's now, uh, our district attorney, attorney in New York city or New York state. And, um, she was the public advocate at the time and she was running for attorney general, but I went to the public advocate's office to see if I could get a hand with having somebody look at my plumbing license, get this brought in front of city council. It was very elementary and, and basic. Um, I couldn't get through to her. Uh, I reached out through some other political campaign channels and I was told by you know one of her associates that if I gave her $2,500 towards her attorney general campaign, that she would uh, go down to the department of buildings and help me get my plumbing license. Um, yeah. I, I want to so, jump in here and say that no. that is the, um, well, did you pay him the 2,500 bucks? <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I did. Uh, you know, I'd be living out my dream. Truth is, is I didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, Tish James just steamrolled Schneiderman out of office on the, on her, uh, go-to sexual assault misdemeanors that never get prosecuted thing. Um, they bounced out Schneiderman, and now there was a special election for attorney general and public advocate. So I decided, you know what, I, I, I dedicated my whole life to getting the plumbing license. This happens. I've literally fallen a mikvah, which is a Jewish ritual tub. Um, and I'm like, all right, well, God wants to run it for office because I can't let these people get away with this. This is what they do. This is what the public advocate does to a guy who uh, is knee deep in bureaucracy. This is what they do. They, they they asked for bribes, so I started running for office, and uh, you know, basically from a mikvah to a Capitol building to getting my head busted in by the FBI on a uh, you know 5:45 in the morning uh, in July, eight months after the fact. So let's let's just jump to January 6. Uh, okay. What brought you to the Capitol? What were you doing there? And uh, what, what happened? What's your take? So after I got, so I had a radio show um, for like three years uh, on 620 AM. 
So I was always involved in stuff. I was always going down to city council, doing interviews. So I always had my eyes on this stuff. Um, and I ran uh, for state senate uh, in the 2020 election, and we got shellacked. And the reason why we got shellacked was because we couldn't get any press. And I had a good little team put together at the time. So I was like, guys, we're wasting our time running as third-party heroes. We need to set up third-party media and then through the media bump up our third-party political heroes. It's the only way to do it. So I'm like, we all have to shift into media. So I started this little network called City News Now, and this is the project we were working on right after the election. Uh, We went down to Atlanta to report um, the Stop the Steal protest in Atlanta. We went up to Albany. Uh, We even went to Nashville, Tennessee for the explosion back then. Um, we were doing a, a lot of, uh, a lot of reporting at the time. So, uh, and that's what brought you to the Capitol. I mean, it's a, a news story, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest news story ever. And honestly, I didn't want to go. Everyone that wanted to go, I was like, you know what? I'm burnt out. Like it's just Trump supporters. They're a bunch of bootlickers anyway. They're not going to do anything. I, I didn't want to go. Sounds to uh, me like you're not the most enthusiastic Trump supporter. Are you? Um, well, you know what? I, I think I am. Um, I think, you know, when he said that uh, Shesky, the guy who shot Jacob Blake, I think when he actually went to Wisconsin and said that the officer choked, I thought we were finally getting somewhere uh, with police accountability. Um, I'm not a fan of that thin blue line flag at all, at all. Uh, it, I, it's just completely disgusting to me. Okay. Well, look, I mean, the point here is this, that you are not uh, part of some monolithic MAGA movement, right? right. I actually, yeah, I actually ran for, I, I, I tried to uh, throw my hat in the ring for the Libertarian uh, nomination in 2020. Um, yeah, no, I, I am not a, a monolithic, uh, so, you know, Q, QAnon soldier, not at all. What, what did you do no. at the Capitol on January 6th? What exactly, where okay. did you go? What did you do? And you know, I understand that some questions you may not be able to answer because of uh, lit- litigation, but uh, well, let's start, let's start with that question. Um, you have a public defender. I'm not going to call him a public pretender, but a public defender. And uh, it sounds like you, are you happy with, with how that's going for you? Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like he's competent. I feel like, uh, at the beginning, he, uh, just wanted me to take a plea and, and move on. Um, and I also feel like the prosecution had me a little bit all wrong a little bit too, you know, really a prosecutor getting something wrong. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Like they kind of like overstepped their bounds. They thought I was a big kahuna, you know, and, and they didn't realize like, no, I didn't go down with two people that got arrested. I went down with a single mother, uh, you know what I mean? Like, um, so once my public defender got to know me, got to look into my background and say, well, you know, there's no doubt about it that he has a background in journalism here. Um, it, it, it's like, it, he's kind of uneasy about not taking its trial. You know what I mean? Um, and especially with the ACLU, you ever read, uh, go on the ACLU's website on what it takes to be charged for protesting and rioting? No. On the ACLU's website, uh, even if you don't have a permit or anything, if you show up to a protest, right, and the protest or the riot or whatever gets out of hand, but it, it, it is a protest, 
in order for the cops to charge you, they need to come in and they need to make a clear announcement. This is an unlawful gathering. If you do not disperse immediately, you will be arrested. And, and not only that, the cops have to give you a safe, clear way to disperse. So when this is what's on the line uh, in order for them to convict us legally uh, of protesting and rioting or knowingly and unlawfully entering or disorderly conduct or whatever it is, the ACU's guidelines say, no, we need to be told what we're doing is unlawful during our protests, and we need to be given a chance to disperse. Interesting. So uh, clearly yeah. that, that's not the case in all of the people being charged here and it kind of you know uh, aclu has not been uh really at the forefront of the justice for j6 movement have they no and you know you see the thing is is everyone's like oh you got to watch what you say with litigation um but if we look at this rittenhouse case right okay and, and what happened with that fbi drone uh, don't tell me they didn't have an fbi drone at at at, at the capitol building Oh, I'm, I'm sure there were many FBI and other agencies. So, but getting back to my earlier question, your uh, attorney doesn't have any issue with you coming here and basically answering all of our questions. Um, I, I, the truth is the truth at this point. You know, I'm sure. Uh, well, but he didn't say, to you. did you tell your attorney you were going to come on a podcast? He knows I'm, I'm doing a few things, yeah. He knows I'm doing a few okay. things. Okay, all right. I, I never really want to put anybody in a position where, they're uh i, I appreciate you're double you're, you're double checking like yo we're going deep so you sure you want to do this yeah i want to do this well this yeah because the last the last thing we want to do is have somebody like face a whole bunch of additional charges and years in prison because they came on our podcast that would be very counterproductive to right. to our mission <laughs> um not that it's funny but you know it was something we definitely want to avoid so let's get you back to the capital january 6th where okay. were you what did you do okay so me and a friend went um single mother uh we went down um and we got to like the ellipse a little bit late like right when the trump speech was starting um it was beautiful there were so many beautiful people there um and then every once in a while you saw like these shady characters walking through walkie talkies or you see these guys that claim to be proud boys and it's like they look like Boy Scouts, and they're all dressed up. And you're like, "What? What's going on here?" But other than that, um, you just saw a, a, a compilation of just beautiful American people. Um, Trump was giving a speech. He said that he was going to go down to the Capitol building. He was going to go there with us, and it was going to be a beautiful thing. And that's what I said to her. I'm like, "Listen, these these, these are Trump supporters. They're not going to do anything. Let's." let's go let's just get out of here we came we saw this this is cool let's beat the traffic it's gonna suck she's like okay all right i'm like let's go it's just gonna be a mob scene let's go so we walk back to the foggy bottom to george washington university where uh we got a parking garage and then somebody calls me and they're like dang where are you i was like yeah i'm in dc i'm about to get in my car and beat the traffic he's like dude everyone is just running into the building right now i was like are you serious he's like yeah people just took over the capitol building it's like it's like open to the public right now i'm like what is going on are you kidding me so i look at her i'm like come on everyone's running in the capitol building we got to go check this out 
So we, you know, we, you know, made our way down to the Capitol building. Now, yeah, I'm, I am in um, city news now mode, but I'm also with her, you know, and we like made our way two miles to the building. And then right at the beginning, right in the, uh, oh, right in the outdoor circle, me and her get separated. And when we get separated, it was uh, it was the scariest, most jarring. Like I don't have kids, but it's like a like a dream that you lost your kid, like at the store. Like I didn't know what happened. Me and her just got separated. I freaked out and I ran around. I was looking for her. I, I was looking up the stairs because we were headed up. I wanted to see if I was scanning for the stairs to see if I could see her. And I'm running around and our phones aren't working now. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then all of a sudden there was a curfew. So I scanned the outside of the building. And when I didn't see her on the outside, I figured, you know what? She must have went in. So uh, I make my way up onto the deck. Um, I see a bunch of cops just standing there, standing there in a line. People are yelling at them. Um, the cops are just standing there. And I'm looking around, and I'm just looking at people just walking into the Capitol building. So I'm like, wait, the cops aren't stopping people from going to the Capitol building? And I'm figuring maybe they can't. Maybe, like, legally we can just go – I didn't know. Well, you can go in there any other day of the week. Exactly. I mean, it's a pu- I, I, they... I didn't know. All I know is that on this day, the cops weren't stopping anybody. It's three o'clock. We had our own things going on in New York with legislation about um, crazy legislation about uh, concentration camps for people who don't take the vaccine and and. Who, who it was crazy stuff. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is get arrested in Biden's America. I got to find her. We got to get the hell out of there. So I followed what was a bit of a crowd into the building. Um, I got in. I saw a bunch of cops when I was in there. I was like, this isn't a good look. I looked down the side room because, you know, I went through one window. I figured maybe I'd get out the other window because I didn't want to be in there. I, once I saw the cops and the cops were like under duress and stuff, I'm like, I got to get out of here. So I went there, uh, the window wasn't broken. So I did film, like, look at this, like, and filmed all the people and was like filming it. I was filming while I was in the building. And then um, I jumped out the window and basically I said, screw her, I gotta get the hell out of here. And um, I went around the perimeter to see if there was a tree or something because there were so many people on the stairs. I thought there was gonna be a stampede instantaneously it was really scary there wasn't any other exit besides the stairs that i could find so i just ran down the stairs luckily enough there she was at the bottom of the stairs and uh we just made our way out to the car um well and then that's it you know and so you didn't assault anybody you didn't break anything you just went to get your friend get her out of there uh did she assault anybody when she was in there? No, not at all. Is she facing charges um, now herself? Uh, no, no, she's not. Oh, no, so, not. so they have not found her. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've at the day I got arrested, I lost touch of her. Okay. Um. And, so- and Danny, you Matt, just one second. Um, 
Danny was hitting on some key points here in describing the events. At, at no point did you mention that you heard the police making the announcement, you need to clear out, this is unlawful entry. You talked about your cell phone not having notification, that they had cut off the notifications. And, and in this day and age of cell phone alerts, you would think that maybe you would get a cell phone notification to avoid the Capitol and and that exactly we got uh one uh one cell phone alert we did get one cell phone alert and the cell phone alert was the mayor of the city issued a 6 p.m curfew now i've done a lot of reporting during curfews and what happens with the curfews is the cops aren't arresting you before the curfew because your arresting officer needs to bring you to the police station so they have to wait to the curfew and they just beat the crap out of everyone and whoever they can get their hands on, they bring down to the police station. So that's why, like, for me, I was like, I got to find her and I got to get the hell out of here because this is what uh, this is what I thought the standoff was. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and they could have easily in that mass text said anybody on Capitol grounds is subject to arrest. Uh, do not enter the building. Um, and not only that, they the they have the cops at the radios, but not only do they have the cops at the radios, they have a PA system. They have a PA system in the Capitol building. And nothing was, and that was not being utilized. They could have just said everyone, anyone on Capitol grounds is subject to arrest. It's all a bunch of rule following mortgage paying Trump supporters. They would have just ran right down. They would have gotten the hell out of there right away. Oh, well, all of them except for the FBI agents. Right. Yeah, exactly. And right. and the and the Antifa people that I personally know have videos of me there dressed up in MAGA hats, the Walter Mastersons of the world who was dressed up in a MAGA hat, right. begging people to come on and is a provocateur. Uh yeah, plenty of that. Well plenty of that. I I guess uh what were you wearing that day? You didn't have your MAGA hat on? I don't I don't, I don't have a MAGA hat. I'm not surprised. So, uh, okay, let's fast forward. Uh, you're asleep in your home, knock on the door, or was there a knock on the door? What happened? Um, I don't know if it's fate or if it they were using him as an a informant. It feels a lot like they're using him as an informant. I had a friend from upstate come down. And he's like, I, 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 I'm tired upstate. I need to stay at your house for a week and do DoorDash or something. I just need a break. I mean, he's not even homeless. He owns his house upstate. He's a cool kid. So I was just like, all right, whatever. Here, here's an extra bed. Go, go, go have fun DoorDashing. Um, so that night, uh, this kid, Dez, who's one of the leaders of BLM, um, he got arrested. So I was dating Crackhead Barney at the time. And me and Luke went and picked her up. And I'm we sorry, you were to... dating. Sorry, who are you dating? Uh, Crackhead Barney. She's a uh, like leftist provocateur. Um, she has her own show. She trolls a lot of the politicians. She basically stopped Andrew Yang's campaign. Got caught him. She she's a really talented artist. Um, so we went for her house to go to the Bronx to go to this jail support. Anyway, by the time that happened. This kid got let out of jail, so we weren't at the jail support anymore. Me and Luke went home. 
and Luke had his bicycle at my house. And I look up and he's taking my his bicycle out of my house at like 3.30 in the morning. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, my, my bike is better off uh, in, my, uh, in my car. I was like, whatever, man, I'm going back to sleep. So all of a sudden, I don't know. I don't know what I, I would need body cams because I was half asleep now. It's now it's six in the morning. Somebody's pounding on my door. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. Now, I'm thinking like Luke got stabbed or something. I'm like, what the hell? Like, uh, you know, so I just crawl over to the door. And as I'm opening the door, I don't know if they batter rammed me or whatever. Next thing I know, I'm getting smacked right in the eye with the door. Boom. Knocked straight down to the floor. I was bleeding, uh, clearly concussed because I don't even remember half the things that went on while I was like in jail, talking to the first lawyer, uh, clearly concussed when they were questioning me. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And those, that was the FBI? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, how do they, and where did they take you then? So I live on. I, I live in Williamsburg, um, right by the bridge, and uh, basically right on the other side of the Williamsburg Bridge is FBI headquarters. So it was like a Tom Cruise movie. Uh, they came in, they they knocked me on my, they knocked me in the head, they knocked me to the, my bed, and they were screaming at me to get up. And I was looking at them, and I had all these machine guns in my face, and I'm yelling at them. I'm like, cuff me, cuff me. They're like, get up. I'm like, if I if like. I'm like, I'm like yelling at them. I'm not going to get up See, unless you cuff are, me. This is what you'd think from this jackbooted thug behavior is what you'd expect in another country. I mean, could they right. just not have surveilled you and waited until you went out for a cup of coffee and just quietly accosted you when you or, uh, got three or any or just knocked on your door and said, hey, that. three days before that they had four FBI agents follow me a mile point one miles away to yoga class three days in a row how do you know because it's in the surveillance reports in my discovery oh. not only that they there was a uh free the political prisoners protest on july 25th i think it was a saturday or a sunday before i got arrested on that wednesday well, i don't know why where was it in New York City, right across the street at Foley Square, right oh, across I was there. the street. I, I was there. Right, ac- right across the street from FBI headquarters. But but did you? Right across the street. Did you, did you see me there? I think I was at that. Well, um, did you see did you see the BLM kids that were there and uh, that were like on the perimeter? Uh, not not really. When I got there, they were like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And like I was just like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" So when I got to the door, uh, this doorman that nobody knew uh, was kicking me out. He's like, you can't go. And then I had a couple of friends that were in there, and I was like, yo, (laughs) tell this guy to let me in. The doorman was trying to kick them out now. Sorry, let you in where? Into the perimeter of the Free the Political Prisoners. Well, it was, so was anyway, it, but it was at Foley Square. Oh, you just you don't mean at the, Foley Square. Okay. Yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't let me in. Right. So anyway, they they, they basically assaulted you. Um, 
in my house, but but here I am three days before the before they arrested me across the street from the FBI headquarters with 400 police officers there identifying me as Daniel Crispin, somebody that they already had a warrant out for their arrest for nine days already. Why couldn't they arrest me there? Yeah. Why couldn't uh, they arrest me at yoga class? It's just why couldn't they pull me over in my car? Why couldn't they wait for me to get coffee every morning at 830 at the coffee shop and have two detectives waiting outside my house and say, hey, are you Daniel Crispin? Why couldn't I have been afforded the same uh, the same gratitude Owen Shorer was afforded when they said, hey, listen, we're charging you with a misdemeanor. Why don't you turn yourself in? With so what attorney? are you charged with? What do they initially charge you with? Four misdemeanors. Really? Uh, FBI, no, machine guns drawn into your house for four misdemeanors. Four misdemeanors. Yeah. 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 So uh, what is the state of your case now? state of my case now is, listen, uh, I want the truth. I, I want, I want, I don't, I don't think there should be, I don't think there's a such thing as exculpatory evidence. I think all evidence should be considered exculpatory. And I want the FBI drone footage. I want the truth. I, I, I want them knowing that I left early. I, I came back to report on the damn thing. When I got there, me and my friend got separated. They instantaneously uh, instituted a curfew. Uh, they did not give us any orders to disperse. Here I am. Yeah, I'm filming because I am in the middle of it's, it's history. I'm in the middle of uh, trying to build a news network. Um, you know, I've been live streaming every single event that's happened ever since you know the first uh, Corona shutdown at City Hall. I was the one who live streamed. It got 1.3 million views when the cops are coming in and arresting people for standing on the sidewalk with signs. Right. So, so just um, to go back to your case, though, they 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 charge you with four misdemeanors, and they probably offered you the usual plea deal of one, and you refused that, correct? Yeah. And you're going to yeah. court with your public defender. Has your public defender like leaned on you to? Uh, read, you know, anti-racist baby or any other stuff like that? Or is he just like, hey, we can win this case. Let's let's get him. Um, I, I don't I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I, uh, I think uh, I honestly think my public defender is worried. <laughs> I honestly think my public defender is worried. Your public defender is what? Say that again. Worried? worried have you tr now i, I want to go into the aspects of your personal life that have been affected by this um but uh have did did you take the public defender well you everyone takes it because you did you try approaching any private attorneys listen I, when i fell when i fell in the mikvah right and couldn't get my plumbing license in new york and fish james wanted twenty five hundred dollars i lost my career Right. You know, I'm on. I'm on comp. How, how are you know? How are they gonna? Uh, uh, yeah, you know? the two hundred thousand dollar retainer is not um, not in play for you. Well, actually, look, I was at an event in D.C. last night with a fairly prominent attorney um, who actually said to me, "I'd like to get some pro bono work." So, um, Kimmy, follow up with me. Uh, let's see what we could do to help this guy out. Um, Definitely. Uh, let's also, yeah, and there's actually follow up with me off can, off mic, and I, we'll, I, I've got a few other ideas. Give, can, sure, can go I ahead. just give a shout out? I got to give a, sh a shout out. Nick Moncada. Nick Moncada, 19 year old kid. He was the one who helped me with my campaign. Uh, he's an FIT student. 
uh, an art student, the kid wouldn't hurt a fly. Uh, he was my campaign manager when um, I when I took the campaign team and tried building a news network. Uh, me and Nick had a falling out because Nick thought it was just going to be me and him doing a show. And Nick, at 19 years old, was more focused and more dedicated to journalism than anyone I've ever met. And that kid was on the front lines of freaking everything. And he's like skinny. He has long hair, kind of like maybe even androgynous looking. He fit in with the crowd so well and was such a dedicated video journalist. Um, a 19-year-old kid. Uh, and... Um, you know, when uh, we were in the car driving home and we saw Nick with a selfie of himself outside of Nancy Pelosi's office, like, I'm proud of the kid. I'm like, <laughs> look at Nick go getting it, getting that work. This poor kid, literally, when this event went down, I mean, I don't know what happened that day, but I know Nick. And this kid thought he was winning a Pulitzer. This kid thought he was doing everything he was supposed to do to get his press passes and be a journalist. And oh, so so know, this is a fellow co-defendant for the January six activities. And this kid, at nineteen years old, you know, never heard a fly in his life, is getting woken up with a helicopter over his head. You know, the uh, the SWAT team coming in and charging his house like he's some well, look, sort of look, crazy um, person. We, we'll get him on the show and have him, uh, Kimmy, let's follow up. But, but what I do want to turn the story back me. back to you. Um, you are currently homeless. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. How, and uh, I presume somewhat unemployed, correct? Yeah. Where are you? I'm in a tough situation. Yeah, you're in Florida, right? Um, right now, yeah. What What part of Florida? Right now, Hollywood. Okay. Not yeah. So, I just want to you know, if any of our listeners out there um, want to, you know, help a guy out. Um, and on, how long have you been homeless? Uh, well, I mean, I got I, you know, I have a, a an Audi and a camper. So uh, I told my little camper around. Um, so I, 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 I have a blessed life. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to. I don't need any charity or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm chilling right now. Okay, well, I hear you. Um, I hear you. Um, so, but how how did uh, your involvement with January 6th and the persecution? I mean, at the beginning of the story, you had a house somewhere in New York. Now you don't. How did all that come to be? Well, no, I have an apartment in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, you know, the so um, January 6th, listen, January 6th, I went to Montana this summer. And the reason why I went to Montana is I wasn't sure. But something was breathing down my neck telling me I had to get out of Brooklyn. So I bought a camper and I went to Montana. My last day in Montana was July 16th. And July 16th is the day that the FBI put out uh, my uh, warrant um, for my arrest. Uh, and basically me falling in that hole and me losing my plumbing career over it because I'm gonna need my hip and my knee replaced. Um, 
I had mediation on that case July 21st. Uh, and they gave me an offer and I felt like it wasn't enough. Um, and I said, no, you got to come back with more than that. And then a week later, uh, I wake up to the FBI smashing me in the face. And I remember when I first talked to my first lawyer, I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of like just try to keep this one quiet. She looks at me and she's like, Daniel, keep this one quiet. The New York times called me on my way over here. She's like, when you walk outside, there's going to be an army of press. They absolutely destroyed me in the press. Absolutely destroyed. They destroyed. They are trying everything they can to destroy me. Uh, have you talked to any attorneys about potential lawsuits against them? Because there's, you know, you saw what happened with Nick Sandman. Have you gotten any? Have you given that any thought? Uh, well, the thought that I've given it is. Um, in uh on the ballot this year in new york state i could sue up to fifty thousand dollars in small claims court i don't need a lawyer i don't need all this crazy crap um and actually there's something you don't know about julia salazar is uh the woman i ran against for state legislature uh in new york um and she said when i was challenging her to a debate that i wasn't even on the ballot and she made like a bold-faced lie, so I'm suing her over that. But when the um, when the election results came in, uh, a friend told me about it. I had no idea. He's like, "Yo, you know, you get a copy of every single affidavit for every single mail-in ballot in your election." I was like, "Can I really?" He's like, "Yeah, you got to go down to the board of elections." Blah blah. blah. I turned the Board of Elections in Brooklyn upside down, printing out like 30,000 mail-in ballots uh, for my election. You just go through the first hundred of them, and it's nauseating. It, people from the Bronx were voting in my district in Brooklyn. Uh, uh, it, it was nauseating how uh, fake those mail-in ballots were. It was just absolutely – and. You know, here you are, you know, Jenilyn Ellis from doing the radio four years earlier, you know, <laughs> you're like right in the, you're, you're right in the thick of things. It's like, why didn't the FBI pick up the uh, mail-in ballots? Why, why didn't they pick up the, so, the affidavit for that? Yeah, clearly you've, you're very engaged and uh, I've, a very active citizen. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so uh, is there anything you want to plug? So we bring this podcast episode to a close. Um, is do you have some folks that set up uh, give send go pages to help pay for their legal costs or anything like that? Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah. Um, the next little stand that you could take for freedom, and you just know it's not worth it. Just take it because it is. Yeah. You, you donate here, donate there. We got, we got it. Even if it's over, a even if it's over a speeding ticket or something stupid, and you know you're right, and you just don't feel like doing the work through the court, it, it, make them do the work. Make them do, just do that. Do that because everyone has to put their life on the line against this justice system once in a while to keep it in check. 
So my, my um, it's a scary world we're living in, but put yourself out there. That put is, yourself out there. That is wonderful advice, and that that comes, I think, in the form of not just uh, fighting, you know, an unjust parking ticket or you know something much more dramatic that you're in, but also putting yourself out there and engaging in community organizing, uh, doing, mm-hmm. getting into the, pro- showing up at the county right. council meeting, showing up at the state legislature, showing up at the U.S. Capitol, not going in it, of course, but uh, showing up and confronting elected officials and educating them on the many problems that we're facing. So I, I, I your courage, I hope, will inspire folks who are listening. I want to encourage anybody who's listening, if you want to get engaged, volunteer at lookaheadamerica.org. We will put you to work. Kimmy, do you have anything else for our guest? No, I think that was a very powerful closing statement. Um, Thank you so much, Daniel. Uh, You've enlightened very many. Thank you for sharing. And, And please stay in touch with us because we want to see how your case evolves and we would like to help bring further attention to it and the other endeavors in which you are engaged. So thank you for your time today. And uh, if, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, though, how, how would they be able to do that? Uh, they kick me off of pretty much all social media. Um, Daniel underscore Crispin on Instagram, maybe. Uh, yeah, they, they, they like obliterated. They obliterated my bank account, my Venmo. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. So, uh, Chris, I'm sorry, Daniel underscore Chrisman, or is it Dan? Daniel. Daniel underscore Chrisman at Instagram is how to find our new friend. All right. Thank you, Dan. um, And thank you, Kimmy, for joining us in this podcast. Uh, We look forward to producing many more. Um, So uh, until next time.